divided blessings arise, ladies. Of course, I'm Anthony, and I am so blessed and honored to uh, be here with you tonight. And uh, thank you, Tia and Sarah and Tini. And I am so blessed to be flanked by these two amazing worshipers and women of God that you already know, uh, Victoria and Jennifer. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this tonight.
Just to dwell, dwell, dwell here 
You're all the 
saying they can't hear you. Maybe come up here. Okay, I'll come close. Yep, and you may not need the mic, really. Okay. It's, there's a lot of echo, they said. Okay. Whatever works best. Mm -hmm. You know I got a big mouth, so you know <laughs> I, I, can, uh, I can do that without yep. a microphone. Back up better? just a little bit. Back up just mm -hmm. a little bit? Yep. All right, we're trying to get me all set. Set up. See if that's better, everybody. Tell me if that's better, if that works, and, and I'll start going for it. I think so. That works? Yep. Okay, well, um, like I said, in, uh, in March, I was flying home. I was going to do my normal routine that I had gotten into, which was uh, come home for two days, wash my clothes, repack, and hit the road again. And uh, when I got home, of course, uh, the next, that same night, is when uh, Governor Polis, uh, well actually it was uh, President Trump too, that made the, uh, the order to, uh, to uh, shelter in place. And so uh, everything changed and everything shifted for me at that point in time. And I was in a mad uh, scurry. I was like a Chinese fire drill trying to figure out what's next because honestly, uh, my schedule was completely booked so many things and still still there's so many things that were um, that I was asked to do and invited to be a part of and so uh, that began for me this like I said initially it began this uh, confused state of trying to organize and get everything back you know uh, any dates that I could um, reschedule thing, things I was trying to do that and in the midst of it, the Lord reminded me of something that had happened on this particular uh, ministry trip that I had just, been, just finished and, and completed. We started, uh, my birthday was March 1st. I hopped on a plane at 6 o'clock March 2nd, and I was in Augusta, Georgia, and we did a meeting in Augusta. We did a meeting in Aiden, South Carolina, and then we went to Charleston, and then we went to Columbia, South Carolina, and then we went to Fort Mill, and uh, did a meeting at Bob Jones Vision Center there on the campus of Morningstar. Then went to Moravian Falls for a night. Yeah. And then we went to uh, Virginia Beach, then Washington, D.C. And I remember about halfway through, because we flew into Augusta, but 
until we got to Washington, D.C. And I remember uh, already, and this is mid-March, I was already fairly tired. And I was looking at my calendar. I was, I was seated in the back of the car, me, James Edmund, and Ed Watson. And I'm looking at my calendar and looking at the fact, I'm trying to figure out when I have the next open week. And, um, and I, I remember saying, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. But this is kind of crazy right now. And uh, I remember um, just thinking, I didn't even say it out loud, and it wasn't even a prayer. I was just saying, there's got to be more than, and, and understand what I'm saying, because I, I, I love what I do, and I love preaching the gospel, and I love worshiping. But I, I have a heart for my city. I have a heart for you ladies. That's why every opportunity, uh, don't, don't let Tina and Sarah know, but I will come every, every Tuesday that I'm home, if they would let me, but don't let them know that. But, but I do, I have such a passion and such a heart and such a love for what you carry, for who you are. And one of the reasons being is because when I look in your eyes, I see a promise from the Father. I do. I see he, he promised me when I was in my late 40s um, that I would see a generation with my own eyes that would, would shift and change the world. And the reason he showed me that is because when I was 19, I had this incredible encounter with the Lord. Some of you may know I had already, I think I've shared part of my testimony in times past. I won't go into it now, but, but at that time, there weren't a whole lot of young people on fire for God. This was pre-YWAM, pre-CFNI, pre-Christ uh, for the Nations. Shortly after, I didn't realize it, but my encounter was in the middle of a move of God with my generation. 19, 20, 21 year olds uh, got moving in high schools and in colleges and, and shortly thereafter, just a few years after that, uh, came the, the Campus Crusade for Christ and the CF&Is and the YWAMs and, and because there was just an explosion of young people that was just on fire for God. And I remember thinking when I was in my early 20s, 21, 22, um, my generation is going to change the world. Those were my words. My generation is going to change the world. And the reason I was so adamant about that is because one of the things that happened when I had my encounter with the Lord is even, you know, I've been brought up in church all my life and uh, went to church every Sunday. And it seems like I was in church five days out of the week because my grandmother would try to I mean, take me. <laughs> my grandmother would take me, and uh, you know, and my parents would take me. My dad was a deacon, so I mean, you know, so I was constantly in church. And I remember being in Sunday school. I remember I don't know how old I was, maybe seven or eight years old. And I'm reading these Bible stories, you know, the kid versions of these Bible stories, where they're talking about Daniel in the lion den. They're talking. They're talking about David and Goliath. They're talking about. Uh, Moses and, and uh, taking the children 
across the red, through the Red Sea and, 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 and the manna from heaven. And I, all these signs, wonders, and miracles, all of these phenomenal things, all God using uh, people like Joshua to speak a word and the sun stands still, you know, uh, as they're fighting in the valley and there's Aaron and her holding up Moses' arm. All of this stuff, I, I, it was like, you know, I'm a superhero fan anyway. So the, the first and best superheroes I've ever seen were in the Word of God. But it frustrated me because my first thought was, where is this? And I remember one of, one of the um, monikers and uh, mantras of my life was when I read this, uh, when I read the story of Elijah and Elisha. And when Elisha, you know, uh, goes with Elijah, the, 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 the Jordan parts, they go on the other side, and finally Elijah says to him, what do you want? I mean, he had tried to get rid of him on, <laughs> on like four occasions in four cities, and the prophets of that city would come out and say, you know that your master's gonna be taken from you that day, today, and he would say, I know what he wants. And he would just walk, and he and, and, and Elijah would say, "Stay here at Jericho. Stay here. Stay here." And he said, "No, as the Lord lives, and my soul, I'm going where you go." And so at the end, they get over to the Jordan after they see this miracle, and Elijah just says, "What do you want?" And he says, "I want enough portion of your spirit." And you guys know this story. And he says, um, "Well, if you see me when I'm taken up." then you can get what you want. He says, it's a hard thing to ask, but if you see me when I'm taken up, you'll get it. And so, of course, we know the story that the chariot comes, the, the whirlwind, the chariot comes, the chariot of fire, but now if you read that closely, he didn't go up in the chariot of fire, he went up in the whirlwind. It said that, the, it said that uh, Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. I personally believe that the, the chariot of fire has supernatural and amazing as that was, was a distraction to see if he was going to keep his eye on Elijah or if he was going to look at this chariot of fire that just went between the two of them. And he kept his eye on Elijah and he said, my father, my father, the chariots of God and, and the horsemen thereof. And the mantle comes floating down back to the ground and he grabs it. And here is the words that became sort of a moniker for my life. He gets to the Jordan. He's got the mantle. He's got the mantle of his spiritual father. He's got the mantle of his mentor. So his ministry is supposed to begin. There's only one problem. He's on the wrong side of the Jordan. He has to get back on the other side. And what does he do? He takes that mantle and he says these words, and they've been words of my life. Where is the God of Elijah? And he took that mantle and struck the water and it parted. And so that's, that, that's been my cry, even my silent cry sometimes. Where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of Moses? Where is the God of David? Where is the God? I mean, my goodness, David has such a relationship with the Father that he sees something that wasn't even for his time and brings it into the now and starts to operate in, the, in a way that was not even lawful. Where is the God of David? Where is the God of Esther? Where is the God of, of, of Deborah? Where is that? That was my, that was my cry. And so when, when I had my encounter, I'm like, oh, here it is. 
my generation is going to change the world. And I did that. I said that in my, my late 20s, early 30s, late 30s, early 40s. And then I get to my late 40s. And I'm looking around and things were not what I expected. And so I remember I was crying. I was literally crying. I was crying and I was praying. And I said, Lord, I thought my generation was going to change the world. And he gave me a vision and showed me a picture of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And then, but for some reason I knew that this prophetic picture was a picture of a generation of people coming out of their stuff. But what the Lord said to me was, I brought you out of Egypt, but Egypt never left you. And that was the problem with the children of Israel in the wilderness. An entire generation who saw, and, and, and as a matter of fact, it even says that over in Ephesians, and it says it in Hebrews, it says that, this generation saw my works for 40 years in the wilderness, and yet they did not enter in. Enter into what? They didn't enter into the fullness of what Father had called and created them to walk into. And I felt like that that was part of what he was showing me with the generation that currently I am a part of. Hear me, don't, don't stone me, those of you who are a part of my generation yet, because there's good news, but there's some, some more information that the Lord gave me. Because uh, he says, I, I, I brought you out of Egypt, but Egypt never left you. And then, fast forward, I see the 12 spies going in to uh, the promised land. Now, they were 12 contemporaries. All of these were leaders of their tribes. That's why 12. They said 12 spies, and then they come back, and, uh, you know, the thing was, the Lord had already given them a promise. The Lord said to them, uh, go to the land that I'm going to show you to possess it. And he told them, this is what's going to happen. And so they get there, they go in, and just like the Lord said, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. They come back and they give that report. But 10 of those 12, you know the story. I'm, I'm not telling you anything new right now, but hang on. Uh, so 10 of those 12 come back. Joshua and Caleb said, oh yeah, it's just like the Lord said, and we are more than able. We are ready and we are more than able to possess the land. And the other ten, keep in mind, all of these were about the same age, they were contemporaries, and they said, no, we can't do it, because we look like grasshoppers. And so because of their unbelief, and because of the complaining and murmuring that went on for the entire duration of the wilderness, for that generation, they died out of the wilderness. But now here's the thing. Two of those in that generation crossed over, Joshua and Caleb. And I believe with all my heart that the Father was giving me a prophetic picture. He was giving me a picture and then giving me a promise when he said, your eyes will see a generation that will shift and change uh, the nation and the nations. And I believe that that, is, that generation is here now, and I believe that a lot of new women of God that I've met over the years that arise you are definitely carriers of that type of anointing. Now, for, for I believe in my generation, those two, there's about a 16%. If you do the, the math, uh, Joshua and Caleb represent about 16% of their contemporaries. They were the only two of 12 that 
And I believe that, that that is a remnant from my generation that's going to see the glory of the Lord because they're going to see all of that happen. Now, the reason I wanted to, that was all backstory. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to give you this nugget and then we're going to pray and let you go. But this is what happened um, to me while I was in consecration. Because, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of things. There's, there, I had to turn, I had to turn Facebook off, turn all that stuff off because it, it, just, it just got crazy. Everything's got crazy. You know what I mean. But, um, but one of the things that happened while I was during that, while I was in that time, of course, during this time we we experienced Passover. And there was a Jewish rabbi, I was listening to Barbara Yoder, uh, I was with, uh, she was at the uh, Women on the Front Line, uh, or actually she, she uh, streamed in her message for Women on the Front Line in Amarillo this weekend. And she said, uh, she was talking to a rabbi, and he said that this was the first time that we actually experienced Passover since the first Passover. Now hear this. This is a Jewish rabbi. I mean, of course, the Jews and even a lot of us believers, we, we celebrate Passover. We celebrate it. We we uh, we we remember. We we you know we do all of that. But this time, we have to experience Passover because if you go back to uh, to uh, Exodus chapter twenty three, what happened with us is what. God told the children of Israel, he said, go into your homes, close the doors, and, and stay there. And so that, they were sheltered in place, but they were, they were sheltered in place by the Lord. The Lord says, you're going to shelter in place, uh, and you're going to put the blood over your doorposts, and the angel of death, when he sees that blood, he's going to pass over. And so that's, uh, this, this rabbi said, that had never happened since the first Passover. Where Christian and Jew and everybody else alike had to experience Passover. And as I, I, I thought about that, and as I've been consecrating myself uh, before the Lord over this time, the Lord gave me a funny little thing uh, that, that it just came up into my, my spirit. And, and and now I'm going to tie everything that I said together because this is what he said to me. He says, I'm thinking about this being an actual Passover. I'm thinking about the fact that we, you know, we have all kinds of reports about millions of people dying from this coronavirus and all of that. That was the projection. Millions of Americans dying from this, from this coronavirus. All of those different things. The church having to shelter in place too. I mean, you know, everybody on lockdown. And while I was there, the Lord said these words to me, and they—they're sort of my word for now. Because, like I said, I, my my old mantra—it still is—but it's where is the God of Elijah? What was I saying? I want to see that manifestation of God's power. Lord, I want to see those things that, I mean, that was Old Testament before the Holy Ghost. And they experienced all of this. So my mantra, my saying was, where is the God of Elijah? And the Father came to me during this time.
and gave me a new one. And this is it. He said, it's, it just got real. <laughs> it just got real for a lot, you know, because I think one of the things that has had to happen is uh, I've heard the word, and you've heard all of these words, reset, recalibration, all of those different things that have taken place. One of the things that I believe with all my heart is that Father wanted us to, it, it was an opportunity for the church to have, and his sons and daughters to have a do-over. Now, what do I mean? I mean, um, I think what we've done in times past is we've been so spoiled, especially in America, uh, with our faith. Now, I mean, uh, there are there are factions, even in our nation, that would uh, criminalize Christianity. There are factions in our nation that would try to, uh, I mean, it's all over the world. There is an assault on faith. There is an assault on faith. Hear me. There is, I'm not talking about uh, faith like, uh, you know, because sometimes we hear that word faith and we think religion. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about the one who was, is, and is to come. I, I, I'm, I'm talking about a, 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 a father, like I said, who's a very present help in time of need. God of the universe, the one that we worshiped tonight, the one that we sang praises to, the one that we said, uh, you know, the goodness of God, uh, all of that he reigns. Every, uh, he's a way maker. We, 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 I think what we've done is we've done a lot of that type of uh, declaration out of our mouth, mm -hmm. but really without necessarily having to go through any experience of knowing and understanding. Now, those of you who have ever traveled to another nation, if you've ever traveled to, uh, you know, I've been to China, I've been, I've been to some uh, Islamic. Uh, or Muslim nations that, uh, you know, 97% Muslim, 3% Christian. It, it, they don't have the freedoms that, that, that we have in this nation. And, and, and yet, we were just kind of lackadaisical with it. And I think that what has transpired now is that the Father has said, okay, Let's make this real for you. I'm not saying, like I said, what, what did Joseph say to his brothers when they came and when they discovered that uh, he was still alive and actually he was the, the prime minister of Egypt? He said, what you meant for evil, God turned for good. And I believe with all my heart that that's where we are right now. So I, at first I want to stop for a second and just say that and speak that over every one of you and your families, your children, your situation, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life right now, I just release this word and I decree over you. What the enemy has meant for evil, God is turning right now for your good. And you're going to see his hand. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting to me that uh, remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they came out with the spoils. God didn't take them one way because uh, they would have had to 
fight, so they took him um, towards the Red Sea, and of course there's a mountain on this side and a mountain on this side, and then Pharaoh changes his mind and he comes after them, and the Red Sea's in front, they are freaking out, and Moses gets a word from the Lord, and he says, the word that he gets from the Lord is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I, that's been another part of my declaration. There have been things I've been praying for the body of Christ and for the church. And, and that's been part of it, is that we, it, it, it's, it's about to get real because anytime, first of all, there are promises that we have. The Lord said it, it would be better for you to have a millstone tied about your neck and cast into the sea than to harm the least of mine. And so I, I serve notice to the enemy. It's just got real. I serve notice to everything that has tried to come against you and come and, and attack you. It's just got real. But I also want to serve notice to you that uh, all of those things that the enemy has tried to make you believe about yourself, the lies that he's made, tried to make you believe, or all of those things, it's just got real. This is your opportunity. This is your time right now to walk and to stand in a place with the Father like, like never before. I, I believe that there is uh, miracles that are charged in the atmosphere. I believe that the Father is just waiting and looking for one, two people to, to, to dare to believe the Word of God right now. Because it's because it's real. I, I, I'm telling you, I believe it's real. I believe that uh, that Father is going to make himself known like never before. He gave me a picture once. I, I, I was, I've always watched how the Lord, including uh, like, a, like a Joseph, since that's not so like the backstory of our, uh, what we're sharing with you. I've always been amazed at how the Lord uh, has his sons and daughters that seemingly go through these dilemmas and, and that that are so insurmountable. And I love the way David says it. He says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many there be that rise up against me. Many there be who say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Mm. And the same thing, remember that's what happened with Job. His friends told him, why don't you just curse God and die? Because, dude, there is no help for you. It's over. And many times, the enemy would like us to believe that in whatever situation we find ourselves, that it is over. But I want to give you a word tonight. It just got real. It just got real for us to step into who Father has created us to be, I'm here to let you know that all of those little cliches that we've been using all of those all of these years for such a time as this, it just got real. If you if you think that somebody else is supposed to step, David has already done his time. Moses has already uh, lived his life to the fullest. Paul said, "I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith." So now, who's on the planet to come back? The clashing of crowns, mm -hmm. Corona means crowns, 
And we know that there is, that's why I said earlier when we first started, there's no king but Jesus. So we crown him with many crowns. So there's a clashing of crowns. There's a clashing of sounds. But I want to give you one more scripture. It says over in Psalms 110, it says that the Lord said to my Lord, yes. sit here on my right hand mm -hmm. until I make your enemies your footstool. That's what the Lord said. He said, the Lord, Father God, said to my Lord, Yeshua, Jesus, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So if Jesus is sitting, who's going to make the enemy your footstool? The people who are, let me, let me, let me ask you to do something. I want you to inhale. I want you to exhale. If you were able to do that, it just got real for you. <laughs> because you're the ones that the Father has entrusted his anointing, his power to stand. You have the opportunity right now. You, your generation, your words, your, I mean, the blood of Jesus that was able to, I'm telling you, if the blood of Jesus was able to pull me out of the pit of hell, Corona has no, no, it has no chance, it has no shot. And especially when Father finds his work. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I believe that there are angels that are just standing at attention, waiting to hear the word of the Lord. And once it's heard, once it's heard by them, they're going to be dispatched to do God's bidding in the earth. So I'm going to, uh, really, I'm going to um, challenge you tonight. I dare you to begin to decree the promises of God. Some of you, man, you've been given, and I know I've been here several times where the Lord has used me to give some of you prophetic words. I want to encourage you, especially the last 10 years, the last 10 years, any prophetic words that you've received over the last 10 years, I want you to pull them out. Because you know what I found out about the prophetic words? They aren't, the power is not really when you receive it. Because usually when you receive it, it's not when you need it. Usually your prophetic words are activated in times like these. What do I mean? When was Joseph's prophetic words, when was his gifting truly activated? When he was in prison. When he prematurely started to declare what he saw in his dreams, it got him in trouble. But when he, when he got in trouble, because of people lying and treating him bad, his now gift got him out of trouble and elevated him and promoted him. I'm telling you that the word of God literally comes to life in times of trouble for such a time as this. So all of those things that we've been saying, you've been quoting that scripture left and right, you've been standing on that prophetic word that the Father has given you for years. Some of you almost, you know, you're like, whatever, man, God gave me that word. Tia spoke that word over me. This happened. I went to this conference and this happened and I feel like it, it felt powerful at the time and I've been hanging on to that word now for seven, eight, nine, ten years with nothing, nothing to show for it. I'm telling you right now, it just got real for you. It 
just got real. Pull them out. Pull out your prophetic words. Pull out those things, those promises, man. Even the Father just spoke to you in your spirit, in your, in your time of prayer, in your time of worship. Those words that he said to you that you thought were just too uh, extravagant and too, oh, this is too ostentatious for me to believe. Pull that out because right now the situation has just gotten real for the word of God to come alive in your life. I dare you to trust the word of the Lord that he's given you individually and collectively. I dare you to trust the word of the Lord about your family. I dare you in the midst of all hell breaking loose to take the promises of God and say, for such a time as this, I thought it was for that time, but it's actually for this time. So Father, I bless you right now and I thank you for each one of your daughters. Whoa! When they discovered Haman's plan, it's when her being queen got real. Mm -hmm. When Pharaoh was in a quandary because of a famine, the gift that God gave to Joseph all those years, years ago got real. I'll leave you with this scripture. Tenders, their lights are out. So it just got real for real light. Who has a real light? For nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Father, I thank you for this company of world changers. I bless you that in the midst of whatever they're going through right now, all that has happened is that their mantle has been activated. Well, I feel that. I'm telling you, I feel that so strong right now. I always got killed over with that one. Your mantles have just been activated. It just got real. See, you're just in dress rehearsal up until now. 
now it's time to manifest his glory. And I'm telling you, it's on you, it's for you, it's your time. And I bless you, and I honor you, and I glorify you. In Jesus' name, you got to turn it over to Sarah and let her uh, pray for you and finish up and do whatever else uh, needs to be done. I love you, I bless you, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to, to, to uh, break into your six-foot uh, perimeter. <laughs> your, your social distancing and just give you the biggest hug and just bless you and put my hand on you. I'm telling you, healing is in some I, I see I see three of you right now, and I heard the father say your hands are getting, if you look at your hands, they're getting hot and they're red because he he's put in your hands a virus killing anointing. You do what you want to do. I'm telling you, I see three of you right now. Um, I, Rebecca, I, I see Rebecca. I see the Father say he's put healing in your hands. And I, I believe they're on fire right now. I don't even know if you're watching, if you're watching on replay, whatever. But I'm seeing that. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm saying that I, I, I don't know if you've ever gotten the word that, uh, that you had a healing uh, grace and anointing on your life. If you did, guess what? It just got real. So I bless you, Father. I thank you for your stars and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Sarah. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining us.